does it mean to be a child of God and have all the promises of Jesus Christ given to us? How blessed we are. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're in a series about two natures. Two natures. And I want to talk to you uh, about Ishmael and Isaac. And what does it mean to be children of the Spirit or children of promise? So we have two natures. Uh, I love my kids. We've got two girls. Uh, and I want them to want what I want for them. Okay, you with me? I want them to want what I want for them. That's every good parent. You want them to want what you want for them. Everything that my kids need or want, if it's in my good will and my good nature, uh, that I will do. If they say, Dad, hey, I need an extra blanket for bed, I'm a pretty good guy. I'll give them an extra blanket. You want extra meat and potatoes? Sure, kid, have some extra meat and potatoes. If you want extra cuddle time on the couch or you want help with homework, it's in my good nature, my will to do that. And if they ask that of my goodness, I'm going to give it. That's a good father. Amen? And that's, I'm sure you're the same way. So if they ask for those things, now, sometimes they're going to ask for things that are not necessarily in my will, like little Adley, about every day when she sees that snow cone stand over there open, she said, can we have a snow cone today? And sometimes I say yes, because it's just, I want to be a good dad, I'm a good father, and even though they haven't deserved it, we may be eating supper here in a little bit, I'll do things just because they asked. Now, if they didn't ask, I probably wouldn't do it. But if they ask, because... I wanted to do that today. I'd do it. Maybe it's that extra piece of candy before bed or ice cream, you know, uh, even though they didn't eat all their supper. Sometimes I just like being a good dad and spoiling them a little bit. And because they asked, I'll do that. I want to be a good father. However, if my kids are not acting right or if they're not asking right, if they're pulling hair in the back seat or arguing or they have a bad attitude, guess what? They're not going to get what they asked for, right? Uh, that's how that works. But I want them to want what I want for them, and if they ask for more of what I want for them, that I will do. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but that's exactly how God is. That is the same promises Jesus, through the Father through Jesus, gives to you and to me. For instance, when we're born of God's Spirit, by faith in Jesus, you become God's kid. You become His child. You're an heir of righteousness. You get the promises of God. Everything God has is yours. And God wants good things for you, and He wants you to want what He wants for you. All right, somebody say amen. Are you with me? God wants you to want what He wants for you, and He's good enough that if you ask for it, He'll give it because He already wants you to have it. And sometimes God's so good, He gives you things just because you ask for it. Because he wants to be a good father. But if I'm not asking right, and I'm not in the right place, or I'm not in right nature, a right attitude, I'm not going to get what I asked for. And the problem is, I have two natures. I have a nature that's born after God by the Spirit through faith in Jesus, and I have this old fleshly sinful nature that I'm carrying around with me until the day that I die. And I won't be rid of that nature until my new heavenly body. I mean, believe that. You're with me. All right, I got two natures. And I have to ask God according to the nature that is His. I have to ask God according to my spirit man and not my flesh man. Here's the problem, though. I'm kind of like a kid sometimes. I don't always get what God wants me to have. And I don't understand why He wants me to have it. And I start asking for things that He didn't want me to have to begin with. I want that snow cone before supper. I want that ice cream without eating all my vegetables. Are you with me? Anybody like me? 
Sometimes we're asking for things in the wrong way. Sometimes we try to find love or peace or joy through man's methods. We chase after money or possessions or vacations, trophies, wrong relationships, sex and dating. We try parties. We try drugs. We try alcohol. All trying to find the things that God wants you to have. Peace, love, joy, serenity. He wants you to have those things. But sometimes, like little children, we ask for things and go after things the wrong way. So you, can receive, you cannot receive spiritual promises through human plans. I love what A.B. Simpson said. I quoted this the other day. But when God gives you things, he's really not just giving you things. He's giving you himself. Now watch, he says this. He says, we do not merely receive grace, but the God of all grace. Not merely holiness, but the holy one. Not merely power, but the mighty one in the midst. Not merely wisdom, but the wonderful counselor. See, God's best thing he can give to you and to me is himself. The best thing he can, he just won't have, you don't want just peace. He wants you to give you the God of peace. He says, if you ask though, I'm willing to give it because I want my kids to want me. And if you ask for more of God today, let me tell you something. God is willing to give it. He's willing to give himself. And you have not, he says, because you ask not. And sometimes we're asking for things the wrong way. God, I want you to work this out. He says, well, I want to be the one working it out for you. Come on. Are with me this morning? He wants to be that person in your life who answers all your needs, all your wants, because he's a good, good father. Somebody say Amen. So here's what I got to do. I got to forsake the flesh and believe God for God. So here's my question. What have you been asking for and receiving from God lately that is spiritual? I really want you to think about that for just a minute. What have you been asking God for lately and receiving that is spiritual? And what have you been putting up with that needs to be put out? What have you been putting up with in the flesh that needs to be put out. So look with me in Genesis chapter 16. We're going to bring all that together. Two sons forsaking the flesh and believing God for more of God. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. If there, somebody say amen. amen. Okay, two sons. Let me give you the background. 75 years old, Abram heard from God. He says, go to the promised land. I'm going to show you. I'm going to make your name great. Going to be a father of many nations. So Abraham believes the Lord at his word and goes out following the Holy Spirit by faith to a land he does not know. And he forsakes everything he had, takes a lot, unfortunately, with him, fleshly man, by the way, and they go. He finally gets there. He gets all the way to the Israel, modern day Israel, the land of Canaan. He gets there, and as he's there, sojourning in tents, never receiving all that he thought God was going to promise him, God says again and appears, Abram, I'm going to make your name great. And even though you don't have any children by your wife Sarai, you're going to have many descendants. You're going to be a great nation. And so he says, okay, I believe you. And he goes and he stays there. Well, years go by. And again, God comes to him and says, Abraham, Abram, I'm going to make your name great. You're going to have many descendants. And he, it's now 10 years into this. Now, you hold on for 10 years. It's a long time. I haven't seen a kid in 10 years, and I'm getting older. All right, I was 75 when we started. Now I'm 85. Man, it's getting long here, God. He says, guess what? I'm still going to make a promise with you. And he's already says, Abraham says to, or Abram says to God, Oh God, what will you give me since I'm childless? I'm an heir of my house as Eliezer of Damascus. He's like, only I got my servant. That's the only guy I got in my house. And chapter 15 of Genesis, God says, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. 
And God makes his covenant. And he says, I'm going to bless you according to my own goodness. I'll make you a great nation. So look in Genesis 16, verse 1. Here we are, 10 years into the promise. God's confirmed it a few times now. Okay, of course, over 10 years. Here's what happened. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. That was a popular pagan custom, by the way. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Uh Uh-oh. Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. And after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, gave him to her husband Abram as his wife. He went into Hagar. She conceived. And when she saw she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. So let's follow up. Here's what happens after that. Doesn't go so well. Hello, Jerry Springer. This is like one of those daytime TV shows. Okay, so didn't go so well. A- Hagar starts despising Sarai. Sarah gets mad, says, put this woman out. Hagar flees because she's getting so mistreated by, by Sarai. So God says, go back, submit to Sarai for a season. And so she does. And then here we are. Abram has a son. The angel says to Hagar, you're going to name him Ishmael, Genesis chapter 16, verse 12. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, who's every, and everyone's hand will be against him. Ain't nobody going to like this kid. And he will live to the east of all of his brothers. So now it's 86 years old, okay? 11 years. Abram has his son by Hagar. And now, fast forward. Now Ishmael's grown up. He's 13 years old. Abram's 99. God says, hey... You got this 13-year-old kid, but this is not the son of the promise. I'm going to change your name. I'm going to tell you your name is going to be Abraham, father of many nations. Not just father, but father of many nations. And kings are going to come from you. And Sarai, her name is going to be Sarah, and she's going to be the mother of many nations. And kings are going to come from her. I'm going to change your identity. I'm going to do something through you that you could never do yourself. And God says, hey, watch this. You're going to have a son about this time next year. They both laugh. They're like, dude, we're like 100 years old. Old. I'm 99. She's up in years. We don't tell her age because she's a lady. And, and so, hey, right? Come on. And, and she, he says, how are we going to have it? He says, don't you know that nothing is impossible with God? Don't you know? And then so it goes on. At 100 years old, 25 years after God given him the first promise, Isaac was miraculously born to Sarah, and he became the son of the promise. Now, one day Sarah saw Hagar and her teenage son Ishmael. They were mocking little toddler Isaac. And she said to Abraham, you're going to put that woman out of this house. We're done with this lady. We're done. She's getting out of this house. Two women can't live in the same house and with the same guy. Get this woman and her kid out of my house. And so God said, let her do it. So they push Hagar and Ishmael out. He goes. He goes and becomes in the wilderness a wild man like the angel told him. He's a fleshly man. Doesn't get along with nobody. And in fact, the Bible says that it was Ishmael's descendants, the Ishmaelites, that would later take Joseph, Sarah's descendant, into slavery in Egypt. Come on, somebody. That's a preaching whole point. I ain't got time for it today. She, that fleshly descendant took her own son of promise into exile. And later, it would be the Muslim nations, the Arab nations, that would claim Ishmael as their lineage through Muhammad to Abraham. And today, we have two sons of the covenant, natural fleshly man, spirit man. 
Two promises, two covenants, two ways of getting, trying to get to God. One by man, one by spirit. One by the Word of God, one by the Word of sin. Listen to me. There are two natures inside of all of us. And you've got to learn which voice you're listening to, and you need to know who you are. And that's the first point. Who are you? Who are you? So here's what Gen uh, Paul says. Now look with me. Galatians chapter 4. Let's turn over there. Just a few questions, and then we're going to wrap it up. Who are you? These two sons, this story, which is a long story, and we're just highlighting it today, represent two natures and two choices in every single believer. So the first is, who are you? Galatians 4, 22. Here's what Paul says about this story. He says, it's written, Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman or a slave woman, and one by the free woman. The son by the bondwoman was according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman was according to the promise, the promise of God. Ishmael had a mom that was, he was born into slavery, but Isaac was born miraculously into freedom. One was born by the fleshly wisdom. One was born by the spiritual wisdom. One represents a covenant of works. One represents later a covenant of grace that God's going to do by himself apart from man. Now there's a lot into this, but think, think about this. Those after Ishmael, here's what they do. They use religious rules to hide their own actual nature. He says, Ishmael's like a wild man. Ain't nobody can tame it. And you can put all the religious rules and boundaries you want, but unless its nature is changed, he will always be wild and against the people of promise. They'll always, your flesh will never be tamed by a bunch of religion. You can put suits and ties. You can come into a nice building. You can pay your ties. You can kneel down on your knees. You can pray. You can sign a membership card. You can get wet in that tank. But unless your nature is changed, you're just putting stuff on the wild man. That's what he says. There's a, a son of the promise, then there's a son of the nature. There's a son of flesh, and there's a son of spirit. And those born by the spirit have a new nature to please God. And the spirit of God comes and regenerates them. God does a work that no man could do. So the question is, who are you born of? Who are you born of? Are you born of the flesh or are you born of the spirit? And here's what Romans 9 says. Not, this is not the children of the flesh. They're not the children of God. But the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. Romans 9, 8. He says, there is a promise for God's kids. God had a promise through Isaac. Isaac would become the one. And, and in fact, God said several times, Isaac is your only son. Now he's got... Other sons. He's got another son by Hagar. Abraham would go home. Other sons after Isaac. But God repeatedly, as they were walking up to that mountain of Moriah to sacrifice Isaac, He says, take your son, your only son. Why? Because through the promise of Isaac would come the promise of Jesus. He would be a type, a foreshadow of what God would do with His own son. And Abraham said, I believe in the promise of God. Through this kid, I'll be a father of many nations. And though he may die, I know that God is able to raise him up because God is faithful to his word and his promise for his children. Now listen, if you are born of the spirit, what I want you to know is you have the promises of God. You have everything God has ever promised through Jesus Christ. If you have faith in him, he says the pro children of the promise are children of the Spirit. Children of the Spirit are children of the promise. Now, this is kind of heavenly stuff. I know it's kind of above maybe where we're at maturity-wise. But listen, if you're God's kid, God has everything in store for you. All of heaven is for you. 
Everything that comes with Jesus comes to you. But who are you? Who are you? What are you inheriting from your dad? Galatians 4, 6 says, Because your sons, God has sent forth the Spirit into your heart, crying, Abba, which means Father, and therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. What have you been inheriting lately from your dad? I told you about my kids. I want my kids to want what I want for them. Now, I know that God's going to have great things in store for us in eternity. That is so true. Everything God has for you, it's paid for, done, finished. You've got it all. It's been done. It's bought. You've got the promise of God. But even this week, tomorrow, today, what have you been asking your dad for that's according to his nature, that he wants to give to you? Have I been asking for snow cones and ice cream before bed, fighting with my sisters in the back seat, pulling out hair, and asking for things according to my own nature? God, bless me this. God, give me a promotion. God, do this. God, do this. God, do this. Or have I been asking God, God, what do you want me to have in my life? God, what is the nature that you want for me? And that when I ask it, I know that if I ask for more love, God's going to give me more love. God's going to give me more peace. God's going to give me more joy. He's going to give me more patience. He's going to give me more power because I ask according to his nature. And those promises are mine in Jesus Christ. I don't have to doubt that my dad is a good dad who will give an extra blanket if I'm cold. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. I know you need all these things. Just ask. It will be given to you. Ask in my nature. Ask in my wants. Ask what I want, what I want for you. And it will be given. So who are you? Number two, who you're listening to. I mean, see, you know, Sarah was, I don't understand this, but... Sarah was apparently very, very, very good looking because at 76 years old, two kings wanted to purchase her from Abram. All right? I'm just saying, ladies, 76, you still got it. And so she's, she's wanted. So Abraham loves her. Hey, he, she's listening to her. But what did he listen to? She didn't have any kids at 76 years old. Shame, despair, grief, all that stuff was in her. And she began speaking from the flesh. She began speaking from a place of shame and doubt, a fleshly place. She started reasoning out, well, there's this pagan custom of the day. Let's figure out a way to make this happen. But that wasn't God's plan for His promise. See, what voice are you listening to? You know, Satan has so many voices. Just ask Adam and Peter. They both listened to the devil in different ways. Adam listened to his wife. Peter had, he says, get away from me, Peter. As if you're Satan, right? I mean, can you imagine Jesus calling you that? He says, what, there's all these voices. What are you listening to? For instance, Satan can tempt you and say, what has God said? Maybe God's forgotten about you. Surely God didn't mean that. You got to have a fleshly friend. Here's what they may say. Why not? That sounds good to me. Just do what makes you happy. You hear that today? Social media? Just do what makes you happy. Or what's the harm in that? What voice are you listening to? Or maybe there's a religious person in your life and says, well, here's just a list of do and don'ts. Just try harder. You'll be better than most people. Right? You just, as long as you're not like those people down the road at that church, you'll be all right. What voice are you listening to? The, the Bible says, what has God said? Thus saith the Lord. What's the Holy Spirit been speaking to you? Remember what Romans said in uh, chapter 8, verse 14? Those who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So if you are a kid of God, what has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you lately? Not Pastor Heath. Don't just listen to me. I might lead you astray. I might, I'm a man. Don't just listen to anybody. What has the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, been speaking to you? 
you're God's kid. you got to be God's kid for you. Not me. I can't be God's kid for you. But has the Holy Spirit been talking to you lately? Those who are God's kids will be led by the Spirit of God. So what voice has been speaking to you? Are you pulling it all in from entertainment, from TV evangelists, from just pastors, from doctrine, from denomination, from fleshly friends, from religious friends? From that voice in the back of your head says, figure a way out through this. Do what makes you happy. Find a way through this on your own. Just work harder. Try better. Be different. You see, just because it's common doesn't mean it has any sense. Come on, somebody. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's from God. And it may make you happy, but it needs to make you holy. What's that voice been saying to you? Think of that thing. Will it produce spiritual fruit? Will it glorify God? What have I heard from God in prayer? What has God said in His Word? So what are you listening to? Number three is this. What are you believing for? You see, my kids don't often understand uh, what's good for them, apparently. Uh, they don't always want what I want for them, and uh, they want it right now a lot of times. I don't know if that's how it is your house, but sometimes that's how it is my house. And I can be the same way with God. It took years for me to understand really what God wanted for me in my life. I thought I understand how to do this Christianity thing, but as maturity came in through the Holy Spirit, through prayer, through reading the Bible, through growing in the Spirit, I look back and say, ah, thank God I grew up. Anybody? Thank God I grew up a little bit. And the same is true with faith in the Spirit. Abraham, through this course of this journey, his faith grew. His faith matured. He grew spiritually mature, something we need in our churches today. In Romans 4, 20 says, with respect to the promise of God, he didn't waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in faith. Somebody say strong. He grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Romans 4, 21, being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. And this is why God called him righteous. He grew strong in learning how to mature in faith. He grew strong in listening to the Holy Spirit. He wasn't always perfect. He made tons of mistakes. But by the end of the story, man, he turns it all around and he gives God glory through faith in God's promise. That's what I want for your life today. I want you to, I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm not asking you to have it all together. But I want you to keep growing. I want you to keep growing in God, listening to the Holy Spirit and saying, God, how can I please you today? God, what do you want to do with my life today? I believe your promises in the Bible. And so here's the question. What are you believing for? What are you believing for? So let me give you some examples. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is actually called sometimes the Spirit of Promise? Ephesians 1.13, He's a Spirit of Promise. He's the guarantee. Paul says it's like a down payment. It's like a signet ring that because you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, you can be assured that when Christ, uh, when you, just like Christ has risen from the dead, you'll be risen from the dead. That Holy Spirit is a seal. It's a guarantee. It's a down payment. It's proof. It's evident that God wasn't lying when he said all the things he's going to do for you. So if you have the Holy Spirit, you can say, I know the promises of God are yes and amen for me. I know what he said is true because I sense him in my heart. And here's what he says. He's promised he'll forgive you. He will save you. He's promised He'll sanctify. He's promised He'll redeem you. This is all from Scripture, by the way. He promises you eternal life. He promises He'll return for you. He promises that death and the grave will not hold you when He calls your name. He promises you'll have a new resurrected body. He promises you greater rewards than you could ever imagine. He's promised you'll see a new heaven and a new earth. It gets better. Listen, it's not just there, but it's now. He says, I'll be giving you peace and tribulation, hope in the midst of suffering. He promises, I will always be with you. I'll never forsake you. I promise 
promise I'll always hear you every time you call upon my name. He says, I promise I know your needs. He says, I promise you the Holy Spirit to be poured out in power, to clothe you with power, and these signs will follow you, those who believe. He says, I promise you, I promise you, all the fruit heaven could ever offer. The Holy Spirit fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. He says, all my refrigerator is open to you. Man, you're my kid. I have a whole buffet. God likes health food, by the way. I want you to eat all the fruit you could ever eat. It's mine. It's yours. It's my heavenly banquet is sitting at your table. All the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want you to want what I want for you. I want to guess better. On this table, I have a bunch of spiritual fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, self-control. There's no religious law to get you these things. That's what Paul says. Here's a whole banquet table of fruit. All you can eat buffet. Oh, and guess on this side? I got a whole table of presents, of gifts. I've got gifts of miracles and healings and faith. I've got gifts of words of knowledge and wisdom and tongues interpretation. I've got gifts of ministry, of service, of evangelism and pastors and missionaries. I've got all these gifts and everybody in my body, as the Holy Spirit wills, is going to get one of these gifts. Just come and get them. Just come and get them. Come get some fruit. Come get some gifts. Everything I've promised is yours. Jesus said, John 14, whatever you ask in my name, that means in God's will, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So what have you been asking for? Fleshly or spiritual? Things in God's will, things outside of God's will. Because if you ask in His nature, in His will, He says, that I will do. It's already provided. There's a whole table of fruit, and there's a whole table of gifts. You're my kid. Just come and get it. Just come and get it. So what have you been leaving God for? Abraham said, I believed God's promise. I struggled there for a few decades, but I finally got it. I believe it. Even if I don't understand it, I hold to it. I'm God's kid. So lastly, and we close with this, is what are you putting up with? You see, for a time, Hagar submitted to Sarah. And then Sarah couldn't take it no more. She said, this woman's got to go. That flesh submitted for a season. And sometimes your flesh will submit for a season of religious rules from church attendance and Bible reading. It'll submit to some fasting, some prayer. It'll submit to you just trying a lot harder. There comes a moment, though, where you've got to say, this thing's got to go. This fleshly nature of mine has got to go. Those religious voices in my life, they've got to go. That weak version of nominal Christianity that has holiness but no power to back it up, those people who are telling me all the wrong things to do it on my own way, just be happy and not holy, that's got to go. I'm taking a moment where I'm saying, God, I'm going to put that thing out of my life and just start pursuing the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put out those voices. I'm, going to put, I'm tired of putting up with this thing in my house, in my mind, in my heart. I want to put out every lie of the enemy. I want to put out every fleshly desire that keeps me from getting God's promises to God's table. I'm going to stop listening to unbelieving religious people and all their man-made religious rules. And I'm going to put out every fruitless and powerless work. I want to put out the flesh, and I'm going to start walking in the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says. He says, you know the deeds of the flesh in Galatians 5, those are evident. You know what those are. Common sense. 
But he says, man, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, there's no way any religion could ever get you to those things. No law, no work of Ishmael, no work of the son of slavery, no work of the work of man. He says, this is only by the son of promise, Jesus Christ, by faith in him. These are yours in abundance. Come and eat them. Come and taste that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? What are you believing God for? Who are you? And what are you putting up with in your life that's keeping you from receiving all God has promised? We come from all denominations, all walks of life, all backgrounds in this church. And sometimes we've got to put out some things that have kept you from getting God's promises. Just to believe God at His word, that He wants the best for you. And everything He wants for you, He wants you to want it too. So are you asking for what God wants for you? Maybe we've been living with Ishmael too long, and we're putting that stuff out and just believing by faith in God's promises. Jesus Christ has paid the price for you to get everything God has purchased for you. have you been asking God for that's spiritual today? And have you believed that he's already giving it in Jesus' name? You're here today, you say, God, I need more peace. Believe he's giving you more peace. Believe it's yours and receive it in Jesus' name. More love, more joy, more patience, more gentleness, more long-suffering, temperance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. God, I want to be used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to serve in ministry. I want to be used to reach the lost. He's going to give that power to you because you're asking something He wants for you. Maybe we've been asking for promotion. Maybe we've been asking for our own personal ego to be struck. Maybe we've been asking for our own life's plans. He says, I can't always give that. Sometimes I'm going to bless you, but I really want you to want what I want for you. And that thing I'm going to definitely give you because you asked. Church, where are you at today? Where are you at today? You're here today and you have not been born of the Spirit and you do not have that new nature that wants that thing. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come find a place at this altar and our prayer team is going to pray with you.